Hi there, I'm Joanne Roberts and welcome to my podcast. Um, Thank you very much for tuning in. The title of this podcast is It Is A Big Deal. So I was inspired to uh, make this podcast after after reflecting upon experiences of having my traumas and or experiences as an intersex person invalidated. To elaborate upon that further, I would like to point out that although I have had that experience and although I have come up against people minimising the enormity of what intersex people go through, in fairness and in the interests of honesty, I have to say that that is something which I did myself. And so that's what I'm going to talk about um, in this podcast, why it is I did that and how it's Um, been both an internal and external reality. So firstly a bit of background. Um, I was uh, diagnosed with androgen insensitivity syndrome as a child and I found out about this later on in childhood. The diagnosis was made when I was three and three or four thereabouts and I was told about it when I was 10. The crux of that androgen insensitivity was that when I was born I was given a female birth certificate and it was later established that I had male chromosomes and internal testes. So there was an aspect of my biology that was male and an aspect of my biology that was female. Uh, This primarily related to the androgen receptors and the fact that because of those androgen receptors my body was, as the medical profession said it anyway, um, partially insensitive to androgens. So the enormity of this and the enormity of other variations like this is that you're faced with the reality um, in a world which is for the most part divided into men and women. You're faced with the reality of confronting something about yourself which is highly unusual in the sense that you're you're having to face that there are aspects of you which are... um, male and aspects of you which are female and that's made its way into um, physical form. If I think about my own circumstances and the fact that I was unaware of this for the first 10 years of my life, the sort of enormity of that announcement and the enormity of that realisation cannot be underestimated. It was absolutely life-changing and so it's kind of almost too life-changing for somebody to face all at once and in a a straightforward, easy way, shall we say. So in order to deal with that, what I did was I tried to minimise it into non-existence. I basically tried to suppress it and I tried to suppress the trauma of what I found out and I tried to suppress the extremity of the feelings associated with that. And that was because, at the time, it was simply too much for me to deal with. So I tried to minimise it into non-existence. And that's a very difficult thing to do when you're dealing with something as profoundly life-changing as this. 
I refused to talk about it, even with family. I refused to go to a support group, which was associated with androgen insensitivity. I refused to have anything to do with it. I refused, even when I was sat in front of medical professionals, I refused to talk about it. And that was my way for many years of coping. But of course, when you try to deal with something in that way, when you try to cope in that particular way, it eventually comes back to haunt you because it would have to. Um, you can't take such an enormous life-changing thing and try and just make it go away. I believe that a part of this coping mechanism is also to completely medicalize it. And what this does in my opinion, is make it smaller and more manageable and easier to deal with. Uh, the reason being that if you if you medicalize this, then the concept of medical condition is far, far easier to deal with than the concept, well, there are aspects of me that are male and there are aspects of me that are female. If you, if you do a sort of cross comparison between those two realities, one is vastly easier to deal with than the other. That's why I understand fully what the appeal of medicalizing this is. I did it myself, so I would know. However, struggling with the gender identity aspect of being intersex is really just the tip of the iceberg in terms of just how huge this issue is. and how much intersex people actually have to deal with in the space of their lifetime. So if I sort of go back through my own timeline and sort of look at some of the stuff that, that I lived through, um, a lot of it is very extreme. So um, sort of four hospital visits before the age of eight, um, several of which were major surgical interventions, non-consensual surgical interventions. And that's before we even get to the extremity of my reaction the first time I went into hospital. And it wasn't necessary. It was uh, an unnecessary surgery. My parents made that decision for me. And when I was taken away from my mother, I reacted to it in a very extreme and profound way. There was not just separation anxiety, but very extreme and profound separation anxiety to the point where um, I was, well, I, I was being taken away on a wheeled stretcher, also known as a gurney. And um, there were, I think, a few doctors around me as I was being taken away. And my mother was walking alongside me and they were having to pin me down the doctors because I was kicking and screaming and trying to get away and was also simultaneously begging and pleading with them to stop what they were doing and they didn't listen so you know if that's happening to a, a sort of four-year-old child that's a major trauma that's not just separation anxiety that's separation anxiety coupled with the terror of not knowing who the doctors were or what they were planning to do or why they were taking me away from my mother um, to say that it was a mismanagement was extreme. So I've had this experience and I'm guessing that there will be other intersex people who have also had this experience. Then we get to what was actually done and there were um, many surgeries done. Um, 
I became aware of them in the aftermath. Um, there were stitches on my body. Um, didn't know why they were there. Uh, I was in pain. Didn't know why I was in pain. There were other times where I was taken into hospital unnecessarily so that they could do a whole bunch of tests. That went on for a week. They actually removed skin from my private parts and I was in pain and uh, was having trouble urinating because um, of the level of pain that I was in. Again, I didn't understand. All of it was made more traumatising also through the fact that I didn't understand any of what was happening to me and had absolutely no input into it nor did I know what the actual reason were. Then you have to add into the equation stuff like having regular examinations and we're talking about um, genital examinations so some people may respond to that by saying well lots of people have to have that done and yes I acknowledge that's true but lots of people don't have it done when they're children they also don't have it done by large groups of people all staring at them simultaneously and they also don't have it done without any context as regards to why it's happening to them. There's the major differences. Uh, I'm well aware that lots of human beings in the space of their lifetime will have doctors examining their private parts, but that's usually with informed consent and with the person knowing why that's happening to them. And it's not normally happening to them in childhood with groups of people all doing it at the same time. So these experiences are extreme and they're processed by intersex people as trauma. And um, I can still remember um, the way that I felt when these things were happening to me. And it was very, very extreme and profound shame. Uh, not the, the good kind of shame where a person is able to regulate their behaviour because they're doing something wrong and their shame is trying to tell them they're doing something wrong but the really tricky and horrendously damaging kind of shame which is known as toxic shame where you're actually feeling shame for what you are rather than something that you've done. So just to reiterate here that was happening to me and I didn't know why it was happening to me and it went on for my entire childhood right the way through from when they first discovered the difference which was around the age of three or four, right the way through to adolescence. I also maintain a person's subconscious uh, mind retains some level of knowledge as of what is happening to a person even when they're under anaesthetic. So that makes the experience even more horrifying. So as I've said, I coped with all of this when I first found out by minimising it and medicalising it because that made it more manageable. However, I believe there is a relationship between a person choosing to take this approach and minimising the enormity of it and choosing to medicalise it because that makes it a smaller issue and easier to manage and other people doing the same, basically. This is a stage that I believe all intersex people go through where they try to minimise it and try to make it smaller, try to make it easier to manage, but I basically see it that all intersex adults are all at various degrees of sort of acceptance or awareness of this and that the minimizing of it will be reflected in your reality and I've had that experience many times. So this can almost feel like gaslighting 
where somebody is trying to convince you, well, it's not a big deal. Also, there are many people who will very vociferously try to persuade you that they absolutely 100% see you in a particular way. So you may encounter somebody and they may adamantly uh, try to persuade you, actually, uh, I see you as a female and they're very vociferous about it, but you know that deep down either they're not being completely honest or they are aware that they're lying or they're unconsciously believing the opposite of what they're saying and it, it forms a sort of gaslight effect because the person's trying to minimise it but you know it's not a minor issue and of course the same will apply in reverse for certain other intersex variations. The person may be very strongly persuaded by others, yeah I do see you as a male, I definitely see you as a male, but the person might not be being entirely honest or might lack a certain amount of awareness as regards to what they truly believe deep down. Uh, people aren't always honest about what they're thinking and feeling. Then over and above that you have to add into the uh, mix that no matter what, no matter who you are as an intersex person, no matter what variation um, you are, you know that there's always going to be somebody somewhere who disagrees with your self-perception. So this really doesn't matter. I mean, if you take, um, if you take androgen insensitivity as an example, there are certain subsections of society who claim that they absolutely see um, complete AIS people as totally female but then there are others who are equally adamant no they're male they should be considered male the uh, enormity of having to live with that I don't think people truly understand this um, the closest that you would sort of get to somebody understanding this I suppose would be like trans people so you know that there are some people in society who see you the same way that you might see yourself and you know that there are others who don't and the sort of enormity of that I don't think it's something that a person could truly understand unless they've been through it um, where their self-perception is at odds with the way that some other people perceive them it's uh, an extremely painful reality and where intersex people are concerned um, especially people like myself who are surgically operated on at such a young age we we get so very little involvement in the process that it just makes it all the more traumatizing so more minimizing can come from the medical profession as well and many times i uh, encountered medical professionals who attempted to to make this uh, a small issue and pretend as though they'd you know diagnosed me as having a wart on the end of my finger rather than this extremely profound and life-changing thing um, then there were various people that I told throughout my adult life who uh, feigned uh, nonchalance about this or you know tried to to make it out to be some sort of minor issue um, any intersex person who's gone through similar experiences to the kind I went through knows fine and well this is not a minor issue it has an absolutely enormous impact on your life also what I've experienced is people um, talking as though they think how I should identify as some sort of minor issue and that it's no big deal and you know they'll 
impose on me what they think I am and act as though it's some sort of simple matter but I'm afraid that for some of us how we should identify how we should see ourselves simply isn't a straightforward matter you know it, it just isn't as I said um, the fact that no matter how you see yourself no matter what you identify as knowing that there will always be somebody somewhere who wants to chip away at that is kind of almost uniquely unfair and um, very difficult to live with. So the people who still choose to medicalise this in adulthood are people who haven't yet got to the point where they're able to sort of delve into the actual dynamics of it. And I did this myself, so I know how it works. Um, the person is making it a medical thing because if you make it a medical thing that makes it smaller, that makes it easier to understand and therefore easier to manage. But what goes hand in hand with the medicalizing of being intersex is that you tend to attach yourself very strongly to the idea that you are a particular thing. Um, so you'll say, yes, um, I'm a woman, I'm definitely a woman, um, there's no question about it and I'm not prepared to entertain any notion otherwise. And what happens is you suppress, deny and disown the aspects of yourself associated with the other and then that creates a lot of angst and a lot of uh, denial and a lot of um, very sort of unconscious behaviours shall we say uh, relating to um, sort of gender identity. Um, I actually did this myself so I know what I'm talking about. Um, I absolutely refused uh, as a 10 year old to acknowledge the um, the dare I say ambiguity of the matter and what happened was within a very short space of time I began to attract unwanted attention at high school from people who were uh, jibing me about having certain masculine traits and characteristics physically. I'm not saying that they knew I was intersex or that they knew that my chromosomes were male despite the fact that I um, was socially and legally classed as a female. Uh, I'm not saying that they knew, I'm saying they were picking up on my suppression. So essentially the point that I'm trying to make here is that if you too strongly medicalise being intersex, there is a very real chance that you will suppress, deny and disown the identity struggle aspect of being intersex. So I've spoken a little bit about my own experiences of just how big a deal it is to be intersex and some of the really extreme stuff that you go through. But there are other things which I think are worthy of mention as well. Secrecy and shame and stigma are obviously big issues associated with this. Uh, another aspect of it are the repeated operations which people have to go through which in some cases don't work out well for the person and damage is actually done to the person's body and they end up irrevocably scarred uh, physically and obviously mentally and emotionally as well as a result of their experiences and this quite often in fact mostly comes about as a result of the medical professions uh, 
adamant stance on surgically operating on intersex people and there are people who have actually ended up with severe damage done to their private parts and in some cases they're not even able to urinate properly and now all of this is a big deal but still in the 21st century we're not quite at a point in our society where anybody's willing to talk about these issues and intersex people find it very difficult to find people uh, to talk about this with. Uh, one common response is um, for people to, you know, the, the wall of silence approach. People stonewalling you. I've also had somebody else ask me why I even told them that I was intersex. Um, probably because it's had an absolutely enormous impact on my life, as I've explained in this podcast. Then there are those who sort of make the implication that you should only be talking about these issues with other intersex people, which is not always possible. Then there are the difficulties associated with finding a therapist who is familiar with this subject matter and knows even just a basic amount about it. Obviously, if a person is at the point in their adult life where they're actually willing to seek therapy, then there is at least some degree of willingness for them to help themselves. But if they come up against, like, a, a complete lack of awareness in the therapist and the therapist doesn't uh, know anything about intersex issues then obviously that can have a detrimental impact on the person being able to help themselves. Um, it's natural for human beings to want to talk about their experiences especially if those experiences involve very severe trauma. Uh, even as I'm making this podcast I'm sort of in the back of my mind playing out these scenarios in which another human being attempts to convince me that none of this really is a big deal and that it's you know all in my mind and it doesn't have to be a big deal but it is a big deal it is a big deal i went through profound and extreme traumas and so have a lot of other intersex people and the fact that there are lots of intersex people who medicalize uh, the fact that they're intersex is, is often used as a weapon against those who want to talk about these issues. Oh well, these people over here, they're fine. They're just getting on with their life. They just view it that they have a medical condition. Why can't you be more like them? And my answer to that is, well, I was once more like them, but then I started to awaken to the true nature of what happens to me. And I'm not saying I'm above those people or that my perception of the matter is better than theirs or anything like that what I'm saying is everybody awakens at different speeds you know I did what they do and trust me they will eventually get to the point probably in their lifetime as well where they will question some of what happens to them unless they've been exceptionally lucky and the medical management of them being intersex was very minimal it's not impossible. There are people like that where they have very little uh, involvement with the medical profession and there's very little damage done, but that's that's not really the norm, I don't think. So I guess it's a sort of dual message that I'm trying to put out there in this podcast. It's partly for intersex people themselves and that message is don't minimise what you've been through, don't downplay and minimise the um, sort of importance and enormity 
of your experiences and what you've been through and the other message is for other people and just um, non-intersex people and it's don't minimise the experiences of intersex people. Don't make out it's not a big deal. I can assure you a lot of us have been through experiences which are a big deal. If people like myself are willing to actually sit in front of a therapist and talk about this and are willing to help ourselves and are willing to do what's necessary and are willing to like sort of you might say deep dive and do you know things like shadow work and actually look within ourselves and see where some of this might be caused by our own perceptions and are generally willing to help ourselves then there has to be a bit of give and take society has to at least to some extent start to develop some level of care towards um, approaching this because at the moment even in the 21st century the the wall of silence is still a pretty strong wall and yes I that's the overall message of this podcast it is a big deal